Hi and welcome to some more immunology with Fran Science Art and today I'm going to be talking about some of your innate immunity and some antibacterial mechanisms. Our antibacterial defences, our immune defences against bacteria are determined pretty much by the bacteria that we encounter and are determined by the surface chemistry of the bacterium. Now you may have heard of gram-positive, gram-negative bacteria, rods, uh, cocci, pneumococcus, you may have heard that, I don't know. But you are aware of different types of bacteria uh, that we use in day-to-day -day language and is in the media quite a lot. So we have, for example, E. coli or Escherichia coli, which is the stuff you find in your poo. We have uh, chlamydia, we've all, all heard of that wonderful STD. You've heard of salmonella, listeria, uh, pertussis, which is the whooping cough one. You've got gangrene. And bacteria themselves, um, I've sort of mentioned before, you get good bacteria and bad bacteria. So what is it about a bacterium? What is it about those bacteria that make them bad? as opposed to the bacteria that you drink in your sort of in those sort of health drinks or in the commensal bacteria that's on your skin. The bacteria themselves following your infection uh, are able to um, spread and infect you and release multiple toxic substances. And these toxic substances can... Um, either cause you uh, damage or damage the areas and the immune cells that try and um, get rid of them. So we have, for example, say, for example, you have a, the, the, the misfortune to breathe in some anthrax, you find that the macrophages and other white blood cells are able to ingest that bacteria. And the bacteria, when it's inside the macrophage, actually begins to multiply while it's in the macrophage and actually ultimately causes the death of that macrophage, which is why it's such a harmful bacterium. The macrophage, in the meantime, has been travelling to the lymph, so upon the death of the macrophage, all of the anthrax come out and they go into the lymph where they can create uh, pulmonary blockages, they can go into your blood vessels and cause blood poisoning that ultimately, ultimately can lead to meningitis and death. So... That's an example of a very, very, very toxic bacterium. And so bacteria have a capacity to injure you because they uh, infect and multiply in your tissues and they release toxic substances. So our first line of defence that we have is not actually our immune system per se, it is part of that, but actually simple barriers, simpler barriers than that. So your skin and exposed epithelial barriers, these have very non-specific or innate protective, protective systems which limit the entry of something bad. So our physical barriers include our skin, mucosal epithelia and the cilia, the little hairs that line our airways, that line our respiratory tract. So on top of those cilia you have a lot of mucus um, <coughs> and that mucus is, uh, as anybody ever knows who've had any catarrh or, or snot or anything yucky, it's very sticky and ooky. And that's great for trapping particulate matter and other sorts of things in the air. And it does it. So as you're breathing all of this sort of stuff in through your nose, it's getting trapped in that mucus. And 
the mucus is sort of wafting upwards on the carpet of this cilia, like a little escalator, and so it's bringing it all back up so you can sort of cough it up and cough it away. How delightful. We also have biochemical mechanisms where uh, we have sebaceous gland secretions that contain fatty acids, hydrolytic enzymes, uh, antibacterial defensins. So these uh, things literally, as you as you cry even, you find that you will have uh, potentially antibodies in your tears as you're trying to listen to the immunology soundtrack. You have all of these things there that essentially prevent bad things from entering into you. Now, the other one that most people think of when they're thinking of physical barriers um, are your enzymes in your saliva, intestinal secretions, and also the pH of your stomach. You have a wonderful little pit of acid just sitting there in your stomach that essentially can get rid of an awful lot of bad stuff. Um, and this is another way of essentially preventing bad things from entering your body. Your innate immune response itself consists of uh, acute inflammation, we would say. That is uh, tumor, calor, dolor and rubor, just in case you wanted to do the classics. If you don't, I'll translate that for you. That is swelling, heat, pain and redness. And these are created by uh, symptoms that you have that are created by your immune system. And the aim is, is that they are there to promote wound healing. So if you happen to shut your hand in a door or if you're like my parents when my mum accidentally slammed the boot of the car on my dad's head. I was a kid, it was a long time ago. Um, you get a big swelling and a big bump. That type of thing will give you pain, swelling, heat. So anytime you have an injury, you essentially have an immune system response to that injury that creates those, those symptoms. It is no different if we are recognising bacteria. The responses to bacteria will create a redness, a swelling, uh, injury and at some degree pain. But what is it about bacteria that we are actually recognising? When we are recognising bacterial components, there are actually uh, molecules on the surface of those bacteria that are so essential to the maintenance of that bacterium that it could not survive without it. Like, for example, the uh, sugar coating on the surfaces of them. And these are called pathogen-associated molecular patterns. And our immune system can recognise these pathogen-associated molecular patterns. And we have three receptors on our phagocytes that recognise these pathogen-associated molecular patterns. There are different types of receptor on the phagocyte, uh, such as toll-like receptors, mannose receptors, scavenger receptors. And upon binding, an intracellular sort of transduction mechanism occurs so that the cell membrane of the phagocyte starts to move and zip up over the microbe and it pinches off the interior. So it forms something called a phagosome and it's, it's essentially lipid sort of, it's got lipid bilayer and it's completely sealed off from the rest of the cell. Inside those phagocytes, you've also got little pockets of digestive enzymes in something called lysosomes. And the lysosomes fuse with the phagosomes to form, you guessed it, a phagolysosome. And the enzymes and the hydrogen peroxide and the nasty chemicals inside that lysosome 
uh, will meet the bacterium in the phagosome and essentially digest it very, very slowly. And then the bacterium is, is essentially game over for the bacteria. It's not the end of the story for the expression of all those bits of protein that are being broken down. And I discussed that a bit more uh, with respect to the uh, major histocompatibility complexes in a future podcast. The other thing that is a really good antibacterial mechanism is the complement system, as, we've as I've mentioned. And this works in three ways. Firstly, you have this protein, this complement protein produced from the liver, which is constantly degrading, but this can be accelerated in the presence of bacteria. And the bacteria bind to a sort of a complement three part component, which then quickly uh, makes sort of different parts of the complement. So it will make a C3A or C3B, C5A, C5B. And you find that the C3Bs, uh, 4Bs, become something called an opsonic fragment. And these little fragments of complement will bind to the bacteria and therefore make them more likely to be phagocytosed. A phagocyte can bind through the complement and promote its phagocytosis through that little complement particle. And therefore, it is more likely that the um, pathogen is going to be eaten, a bit like sugar coating something. And we love that. So the complement acts as an opsonic fragment. And another way it can act is by binding to uh, other white blood cells. Other components of the complement can bind to white blood cells and cause their activation. Now, complement is able to do this through the and activate its immune cells through a mechanism of receptor ligand binding. So the complement itself uh, will bind to a receptor on the white blood cells and the complement particles are called anaphylatoxins. So the complement is broken down into all these different ones and you find that the ones, the complement proteins C5A and C3A act on mast cells. They bind to special receptors and cause those cells to degranulate and release vasoactive things such as histamine and um, sort of 5-HT and what these chemicals do, these mediators do, is that they can enhance vascular permeability and local blood flow, causing those symptoms of swelling, heat, pain and redness. The secondary release of chemokines from mast cells, so more things are being released from mast cells than just these things that cause um, inflammation, these cause cellular accumulation. And the complement 5A protein itself acts directly on receptors on monocytes and neutrophils and induces their migration to sites of active inflammation and subsequent activation. So it is one of those tiny little proteins that is released and causes an awful lot of problems. You've also got the fact that the complement can act as an opsonic fragment, and that is that by binding to the microbe, it essentially enables a phagocyte to recognize it and phagocytose it more readily. So it acts as an opsonic fragment in that instance. Now, the things that can accentuate the breakdown of complement are things like mannose binding lectin. And you find that uh, if you have a deficiency of mannose binding lectin, you find you, and, and you find you have lots of dermatological diseases, uh, because your ability to 
fight infection is such that you end up with little pussy spots all the time because you cannot just get rid of that bacterium very readily. Mannose binding lectin is a protein that's produced in the liver and it recognises carbohydrate patterns found on the surfaces of lots of uh, microorganisms and binding results in activation of the lectin part component of the complement system and then the complement therefore becomes activated around uh, C3. Fighting bacteria, phagocytosis and the complement system isn't really enough. Phagocytosis as a mechanism is partaken of most of your um, innate immune cells, so your dendritic cells, your macrophages, all of those cells that can phagocytose. Upon binding to the, to the three receptors that they have, so you have scavenger receptors, mannose binding uh, receptors and tollite receptors, the binding of those three uh, receptors, any of those three, will trigger phagocytosis. Once the uh, bacteria have been phagocytosed by things like dendritic cells, dendritic cells themselves begin to mature and they increase their capacity to present whatever they've eaten, whatever proteins they've consumed in the bacterium on their surfaces. And this is called antigen presentation. The binding of uh, the bacterium to the tollite receptors on the phagocytes creates high numbers of cytokines so the area around the dendritic cells is really rich in these cytokines which promote their maturation. Um, macrophages can also act as antigen presenting cells and these are localized more at the site of infection. So what is it that uh, an antigen presenting cell actually is? That's a little bit of a rhetorical question I know because this is a podcast and I'm speaking and I can't hear anybody. An antigen-presenting cell is exactly that. It is a cell that essentially presents antigen on its surface. So if a phagocyte has eaten a load of protein, the protein is broken down into lots of little peptides, lots of little bits of antigen, and these it presents on its surface so that whatever's going on inside the cell, inside its, inside its sort of phagolysosome, is expressed on its external surface. The macrophages and the phagocytes all travel in the lymph after they've phagocytosed and they travel in this sort of superhighway which drains all of the blood and all of the fluid from your body just travels normally. This is a, this is a normal phenomenon and your white blood cells travel in it and uh, that you have these little um, sort of motorway pit stops where these, we call them the, your lymph nodes, and your white blood cells, your phagocytes, will be travelling up to your lymph nodes where they come into contact with the cells that hang out in your lymph nodes, and these are your T cells and your B cells. And it's here that your T cells and your B cells will become activated upon meeting an antigen-presenting cell that they can recognise. So a T cell's uh, mechanism of recognition is its T cell receptor. And if a T cell receptor is such that it can recognise a tiny peptide one tiny peptide on the surface of a macrophage, on the surface of a dendritic cell, that T cell will become activated. And I do talk about that in another podcast as well, because that's quite an involved process. The point is, though, is that just as a matter of course, your 
phagocytes have phagocytosed your bacteria, they've broken it down, they've presented it on their surface as a matter of course, they've travelled to the lymph, because that's just what they do, and they come into contact with your adaptive immune system. If by this point you haven't gotten rid of the infection, you will start to create an adaptive system response, which will include cytotoxic T cells and antibodies, and you will start to flood your body with the cells and the molecules that will specifically target that bacterium, just in case that bacterium is a particularly sort of virulent one and you can't get rid of it very, very easily. So that's all for today's um, podcast on innate immunity and antibacterial mechanisms. I hope that's been of interest to you. Join me next time for more about the immunological system with Fran Science Art and see you next time. Thanks for listening.